Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Because this is, uh, we had a bit of a, um, a, a little bit of a gap last week with uh, Larry, and it was brilliant to meet with the guys from Covenant Love, wasn't it? Uh, to just love Kevin and Rosemary and their heart for, for Ireland and for the church. Um, they, are, they are the real deal. They're sweet people, kingdom-minded, kingdom and it was great. And it, it did get me thinking, because Penny and I talk a lot about about stuff in general. And, you know, probably for me, one of the things I would say is I believe that grace is about personal revival. So when we talk about revival, I believe in personal revival. Okay, do you hear me in that? And so my heart is that you would be, I think what grace does from the inside out is that we first need to experience a personal revival of God's grace, okay, and an encounter of God's grace, and then let that flow from us, okay? And I think that's probably the thing that that I was encouraged with last week to go. It reminded me that, um, that, that the, the gospel of God's grace, is why we're not embarrassed about it, because it is the, it's the easiest and quickest and the most, in fact, the only way that works is to get the, the heart of a man or a woman transformed from the inside out. And actually, the world on the outside changes when our inside world changes. And that's what I've been talking about in this in this uh, first week, uh, if I take you back, I, I call this, I'm calling this series Transformed, because everything in our heart is that you would walk into a deeper experience of the grace of God in your lives. And what I said was that there is an open heaven. Remember Malachi 3.10 says that there's an open heaven, and, and, and the Lord says, you know, see if I will not open the window of heaven for you, all right? Somebody say, for me. Right, this is what the Lord. This is a personal word for you this morning, uh, because we're gonna. I'm gonna start to look at some of the strongholds that exist in our mind that stop us from receiving the grace of God, and they are not. And, and the really interesting thing about this is, it is not about you fighting the devil. You, you number one, you can't. You're not strong enough. Number two, you don't need to because he's already defeated. Amen. Do you get that? Okay, so don't pick a fight that you were never called for. Amen. Never mind, never equipped for, because what I want to talk about today is distraction. Not busyness, but distraction, and there is a difference. Because the strongholds that exist between our ears are the, are, is where the battleground is. I said that last week. You know, we have to understand that you know, the, the greatest battle of this generation today is being fought between our ears. That's the epicenter. Because how we think is how our lives are shaped. And you know, I, I, I explained, didn't I, that every action that we do is preceded by a thought. A thought comes before it. And that one thought can multiply into many different thoughts that develop into a mindset, the word says. And often those mindsets are established without us actually realizing it. And so our goal, I said in week one, should be to be aware of our thoughts and deliberately build them into mindsets that lead to the best outcomes in our life. And I, I encourage you that one, just one, just one Jesus-centered, grace-filled thought has the potential to change the trajectory and the direction of your life and your eternity, and that means forever, just one, okay? So the epicenter, the center of the battle, of the battleground is is, is our thinking. That's why Paul, you know, when he was writing in, in the book of Romans, I explained this. Remember, I just went through, I went, if you haven't listened to that talk, it's a flipping belter, go and listen to it. In view of God's mercy, right? Be transformed, he says, by the renewing of your mind. And remember that this is, this is a pattern from the, from the beginning of, of um, you know, actually the whole way through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, that's how he esteems, as he calculates on the inside, Lubab in the innermost place in Hebrew, whenever he is in that place, you know, that's what comes out. Your outside world is being shaped by what's on the inside of you, okay? So don't be always looking for things on the outside to change, you know, without actually coming before the Lord and allowing, you know, giving yourself that time to receive grace upon grace. I'm going to show you the pattern of Jesus as he did that in all the major things of life today. Is that Okay. Because as we do that, actually what you're going to find is sometimes, you know, it's not that things on the outside, if something is difficult on the outside, of course we want to see God move in it. But quite a lot of the time, it's our perspective on that thing is what is really important, number one. And number two, actually many things don't change until, until there's a change in us. Does that make sense? And, and we'll get a different perspective on things. We'll get a godly perspective. We'll get a Jesus-centered, a grace-centered perspective on many of the things that really we struggle with. And those things become strongholds. I, so 
It said that at the end of this, it was, um, I said, do not conform any longer to the pattern. Sure, let's read it. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, Romans 12 from the message. You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Isn't that amazing? I didn't explain that. What's the best thing you can do for the Lord today? Oh, we're going to try harder. I'm going to hand out more tracts. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to, no, just embrace Jesus and what he did for you. That's the best thing that lights up the heart of God for you. Isn't that amazing? Connection first before anything else. Don't become so well adjusted. Do not conform any longer to, to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Now, Paul just wasn't writing this out of like nowhere land, okay? It wasn't, when we believe that, when we see that scripture is inspired by God, whenever Paul is writing this, it's because the pattern has already been established by Jesus himself. Do you get that? And so what we want, we're going to do here is we're going to look at what Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't fit into the pattern of the, the world. And instead, okay, fix your attention on God. Because the implication is here, if you do not fix your attention on Jesus and his grace, you will be conformed to the pattern of the world. Okay, see what I've done? I've just turned that around. So if you're not fixing attention on the Lord, you're being conformed by the, to the pattern of the world. There's nothing in between. Does that make sense? Now, what we're also going to see is, well, fixing your attention on God, there's actually a pattern for us in that. And it's, it's modeled out by Jesus. So it's not like Paul's making it up, right? Divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. Okay, he's saying this is what the pattern is, but if you look at the Lord, he's already showed you it anyway. Now, uh, you'll be changed then from the inside out, right? Not the religion. So this is the work of grace. Remember, he said he spent all these other chapters laying out the masterpiece of grace, his masterpiece of grace, okay? All the way through it, exactly what I, what I explained in week one. And he says then, now, remember religion will have you tied up on everything on the outside. Did you do this? Did you do the other? Did you think that? Did you not think that? Did you, you know, and, and have you completely distracted by the wrong things? And what Paul says is, Fix your attention on the Lord. You'll be changed from the inside out. He bypasses the religious thinking of the day and says this is not about adherence to outward things, but it's about the Lord looking on the inside and doing his work of grace in here so that your outside world will catch up with what he's done in here. You follow me? Okay, good. If you're not, just, I don't know, think of something else. FA Cup's on today or something. You can just think of something else. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. I think this is amazing. I'm going to talk about a few things today. And um, I'm going to, like, well, I'm not going to describe them as immature, the word is, right? And I'm just going to let you make your mind up on it. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Isn't that good? It's amazing. So where do we start Right, so if that's the pattern, if the pattern is this, I'm going to fix my attention on God, there are strongholds that all of us deal with today, and you're not exempt from them. They're patterns of thinking, which have been established over years, and one of the things that we fall into the pattern, or the, the mistake of doing it, is, is we think that we can hear truth once, and then tomorrow walk in the good of it. Do you get that? That's not the way that it works. When seeds are planted in your life, there's a time for that seed to grow. And oftentimes seeds grow in the darkness. Do you get that? They're, but they're there and they're growing. You see, we live in a world today which is so above the surface, right? I hear something today. This is why your Instagram, I said Insta this week to Ben. And I swear, he just looked at me and went, don't ever say that again. <laughs> Insta. Seriously, Dad, you're way too old for Insta. I went... Is that not what it's called? Apparently not. Well, apparently it is if you're of a certain generation, right? I made the mistake of going, and don't, he's just like, seriously, don't do that. He's really crossed, right? But this, this, is why, this is why if you look at Instagram or Facebook or in the world today, isn't it absolutely full of like, you know, and, and, and like kids, young people, whatever, and you know, the, the life of a millionaire, you know, I... I, I I put 50 quid into this system, and before I know it, you know, do you know the one that's cracking me up at the minute? P. 
people who write books, but it's not, it's AI, artificial intelligence writing the books. And I've never written a book in my life, but I, I make 500 squillion pounds a second, you know, and you're just going, shut up. I actually want to grab them by the ears and, and pray for them, right? <laughs> pray for, remember you're in church. Remember you're in church. Just pray for them really hard. Just, just, do you know what I mean? Peddling this nonsense to people. It's nonsense, right? And what it does is it reinforces it. And I want to encourage you today that you've got patterns right now of thinking that were not formed five minutes ago. They were formed 50 years ago, some of you. 20 years ago, some of you. But it is only the grace of God that will come and will set you free to be transformed to Jesus and his grace. Right? So what I'm trying to say is relax, right? Breathe a little bit and receive grace today and allow that grace to start to change and challenge how you think. And those patterns will change. Does that make sense? But they're not going to change this afternoon. That's not a lack of faith. That's a statement of absolute reality. The Bible talks about there are times when the word comes to you. It sits, it is sown into your life. It sits in your heart right? And what happens is the Lord is watching over it, okay, to see it perform. But don't be dismayed if it feels like that seed is under the ground for quite a period of time. In faith, when you receive grace, you've got to say, I, I, in the moment that I asked, you gave me and I received. And now, Lord, it's starting to work and it's growing in me, right? Does that make sense? Because the pattern of the world today is, if I don't get it five minutes ago, then it didn't work. So God, you're a liar. This is not true. I need to try harder. It is a total lie of the enemy. And you know what it is? Distraction. You know, for years we've talked about, um, I, I, you know, because tr- this is a trick of religion. The trick of religion is not to keep you busy. You know, for years we've gone, if I was to say, you know, you're all too busy, you need to just chill out and, uh, you know, spend five hours a day, you know, in prayer, because, and don't be so busy. If you said that to me, again, I want to pray for you, all right? Because my life's full. I have a, a wonderful wife and wonderful children. I've got a business. We've got church. We've got a hundred other things. You know what I mean? And it's not okay just to say to me, just don't be so busy. Anyone? Anyone find that really unhelpful? I want to go, shut up, all right? It's not that I want to be, but, that, but actually busyness is not the point. Busyness is not the root. It's the fruit of something. It's called distraction. You know what the devil does? He keeps you distracted. I'm going to explain it in a minute. And that's why we receive grace. Because the trick of religion is to get you focused on the wrong thing so that you constantly live distracted. And so the pattern then is outside in rather than, as Paul's describing, transformation happening inside out. And that's why we talked about in view of God's mercy, the only truth that will bring true peace and rest in our hearts are those truths that I talked about in week one. Those truths that when we receive them, we allow them to take root in us and allow them to change us internally. But we've just got to be aware. We tell ourselves, there are lots of strongholds and lots of lies that we tell ourselves. And the whole point is we play right into the plan of the enemy to keep us distracted. Let me give you a few examples, okay? What, what are some of these you know, because what happens is when we're distracted by things, what it does is it keeps our thinking, right, locked into a place that will never bring us peace and will never bring us rest. So what are some of these lies? And there are lots of them, okay? One of the lies that we tell ourselves is scrolling Facebook will make me feel better. Jesus sees. <laughs> Picking an argument with a random stranger now, part story, part confession. <laughs> if you're Welsh and you're, if you're Welsh, we need to pray for you. I have two things in, when it comes to the world of rugby. I love Irish rugby and I cannot stand Welsh rugby supporters. They are a bunch of whiny hallions, right? <laughs> and occasionally what I'll do, particularly yesterday, is they, oh, it was the ref's fault that they are, they're rubbish at the minute. Okay, all that stuff. And I go, don't take the bait. <laughs> right? <laughs> But if you do, don't take the bait, Andrew. <laughs> hey, Taffy, da 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 da, right? Mm. I think it's too late. 
So I ended up arguing with some randomers from Cardiff last night on Twitter. And you know what? <laughs> Couldn't help it. But it ended up with me just tweeting a photo of the Irish team lifting the trophy with a wee goodbye wave going, do you know what? Jesus, help me. I can't, you know what I mean? It's like... Now, here's the lie. You'll feel better when you get one up on the Welsh. You don't. I was sitting there last night. I made steak night for the family. My mum was there and making steak night. But somewhere in the back of my head, I was going, I wonder if he's replied to that yet. Because <laughs> right? I already know what I'm going to say to him. Anyone? <laughs> it's funny. Instagram. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. You, any, does anyone feel brilliant after doing half an hour of that stuff? Do you? I, I, I look, I'm not telling you not to do it. It's not my job to tell you what to do and not to do. I'm simply asking you to, I'm holding it up and asking you to consider it. Total distraction. Things like, I don't have the time to slow down. I'll sit down when I get through my list. It's better to be busy. I just, I've got to get on with things. I don't like to bother other people. I don't like to bother the Lord. So I'll just crack on and I'll keep my head down. There's nothing wrong with having a full life. That's another one. What's wrong with just filling your days full of stuff, right? You only go around once. Oh. <laughs> you know, there's no, this is no uh, dress rehearsal, you know. I'm kind of geared up. Do you know what? It is. It's a dress rehearsal for eternity, folks, when you stand in the presence of Jesus, full of grace, full of love, healed, restored, no pain, no sickness, no nothing. That's what I'm hoping for. Thank goodness we'll go around in this thing once. If it was anything more than once, I'd be wanting my ticket punched a wee bit earlier. Do you know what I mean? Anybody? Oh, it's not a dress rehearsal. Thank God he promises me hope forever. That's your hope too, if you know Jesus, all right? Brilliant, right? Uh, we're constantly bombarded, aren't we, with tasks, information, meetings, work, social activities, endless entertainment, connection, Right? You can be busy this morning pursuing a career, and that's fine. Busy in ministry, busy providing for our kids, busy running our kids into every club going. Oh, Jesus, help me. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, some, I wonder, you know, we've been better at this, but we had a period of time where we were going from like Irish dancing to football to flipping, like Irish dancing and football. Anyway, the thing is, you know, a hundred things a week. You know what I mean? Exhausted, running ourselves from pillar to post. Why? Well, that's what you have to do for your kids. Who says? Well, everyone else is doing it. I just, look, I'm not knocking any of those things. I'm asking you to think about not so much what they are, but why you're doing them. Because if you think about where you put your time, it'll tell you something very profound about what you believe. You spend your time doing what you think will bring you peace, rest, fulfillment, and life. That's what you spend your time on. It's a bit like money. Whatever people tell you, if you want to know what's important to someone, you can look at how they spend their money. And that'll tell you what's important. Oh, I just love the orphans, but you never give any money to them, right? <laughs> Easy to say. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Anyone? <laughs> I'm struggling this morning. <laughs> I'm just trying to be real. Because our time actually shows us what's really important. Most importantly, you've got to see time like an investment. And so what I put my time into is what I believe, because I believe that in spending that time, like I spend my money, I'm going to get a return on it. And you've got to ask yourself the question, am I being distracted? Am I conforming to the pattern of the world and looking for the things which will never deliver what grace has already given us? Because all the enemy does is he keeps your mind on a hundred other things. And it's not per se that those things are not good or there's something wrong with them, all right? You've just got to ask yourself the question, what am I trying to get from them? Do you get me? Okay, good. <laughs> because in the middle of it all, there's, there's loads more. You know, there's, there's one that, you know, is, is pretty prevalent with people is, we, we find it hard to, to make a, a distinction between what I do and who I am, right? So you'll find people who are very much validated by what they can do. I am this. I do that. The, think about it. That's what the world does, isn't it? Excuse me. Doesn't the world do that? Meet somebody new. What's your name? Where are you from? Oh, and what do you do? Isn't that right? Those are generally the way that it goes, right? Um, I have a thought on that, but I'm not going to share it now. Talk to me afterwards. 
what I say when people ask me that. Um, but but you, <laughs> you're all wanting to know, aren't you? You have to ask me after. But, but, but do you get me? So what, what also, if we're not careful, is we, we feel like a sense of validation from busyness. I'm, I'm worth more when I'm busy. People won't be interested in me if I don't help. These are some of the other lies that goes around. You know, I have to show that I can accomplish things, prove that I am smart or worthwhile or wealthy or whatever it happens to be, right? If I, if I stopped for a moment, what would I do? If I, if I take out the busyness, what would I fill it with? There's all this stuff goes on in our head. Would anyone actually bother with me? You know, what about if I stopped preaching? Would any of you even pick up the phone one day? Probably not. Let's be honestly kidding, right? But I'm using myself as an example. So that could keep me coming back week after week after week. Did you keep preaching? It doesn't, though. Don't worry about it, all right? Um, that's, but there, there's, there's, there's part of that in, in a lot of us. So the lie is if I feel better if I'm busy or I've got stuff going on. Because you know what happens sometimes? We fill our lives with so much stuff because sometimes we can't bear what's there when we're not distracted. It's so much harder sometimes to just be still because what that can bring up in us is sometimes outside of grace, sometimes it's too hard to face. So we keep ourselves busy, 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 busy. Is this making sense? Good, because it's a stronghold that will not, will stop you from receiving grace upon grace. So what does the Lord say in the middle of all of this? One of the most famous verses in the whole of the Old Testament, Psalm 46, verse 10, and he just says this, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. The word be still, let me just unpack this for you, doesn't mean to cease from activity. There's, a, there's some meanings, okay? So the, the, it's a really interesting word. The, the word is arpu, and uh, arpu. There's a theme this morning, isn't there? There's a theme. <laughs> that man's face. So bad. I love the Belmont Road walk too. It's my wee happy place. I'll give it a few weeks and you hopefully forget me. I'll shave the dog or something. Make her look different. That was a wee joke for all you dog lovers. <laughs> right. So be, be still, right? is our poo means to, do you know what it means? Relax and sink into grace. Isn't that amazing? Just sink into grace. It doesn't mean stop and live like a monk. It doesn't mean be lazy, all right? Sometimes when we hear be still, some people will take that as a, I don't need to do anything now because the Lord's doing it all. That's not what it means. It means to stop trusting in yourself sink into grace, lean into the grace of God, fall into his grace and allow his grace to work well in your life. All right? And he says to know, it's, it's the word of experience, experiential knowing, not the word of, of uh, just head knowledge. And he's, it's interesting, I am God. You know all the different names of God? And it's this, so he says, sink into my grace, right? And then he says, and know that I am Elohim, so Elohim is, is a really interesting, you know, uh, you know it's, it's the all-powerful one. It's the supreme one. So it's like this, this thing of over your life, right? What you've got to do is you've got to stop from distraction, sink into grace. I'm going to show you how to do that in a minute. And know that I am supreme above it all. Amen? Okay, so how do we do that? Well, there's a pattern here. Is this okay this morning? Are you enjoying it? There's a pattern here, and, and one of the things I love about grace is it all, always elevates Jesus. Always elevates Jesus. What's the difference between grace and anything else? Well, grace is Jesus. It's not just a theology. It's not a set of ideas. It's not one set of religious thinking set up against another. Jesus is grace, and he is our pattern. And just be, do you know what I was, I was thinking during the week? We, we need to be careful, some of us, that we don't that we don't know a lot about grace, but we never read about Jesus. Can I say that? You don't want to have a theology, right, without actually having an encounter with Jesus himself. Does that make sense? Sometimes you talk about grace this, and grace says this, and grace says the other. You go to Jesus, and you look at what he did, what he said, who he is, 
and you'll find all the grace that you need. Because grace always, okay, as John the Baptist says, makes us become less and him become more. All right? Honestly, it's one of the things I really felt this week is, you know, I need to become less in this, not in the sense of being, you know, head bowed in shame, but I, it needs to be less of me and my effort and more of Jesus and his grace. You'll know somebody, right, who's preaching the gospel if they elevate Jesus every time. If you walk away with a bigger impression, not of you and your prayers, right, but of Jesus and his love for you, that's the gospel. The gospel never leaves you thinking about yourself. It only ever leaves you thinking about the wondrous grace of God. All right? Good. So here's our pattern, right? Now I'm gonna, can, can I just explain the world, how the world sees this? Some really interesting stuff. So what's the pattern? Because the world, this is where you can go today and you feel dead clever. There's a thing in the world today called the power of focused attention. Right? And some people call it meditation. Right? And here's the thing. We're physically built you, you realize that you were physically built for silence. Part of your makeup, God-given makeup, is to be a wee bit silent at times. Amen. I'm, amen. <laughs> All the men said, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to get this printed on a massive thing in our kitchen. Shh, right? <laughs> but I'll tell you why. I'm gonna, can I just tell you a wee bit of what the world says about this and then just show you how Jesus was above it all anyway? Right? Because actually when you meditate and you, you, you cease from distraction, what happens is it actually changes you physically. It changes your brain and how you think. Right? Let, let me just give you some. There's a, a guy from a neuroscientist called Newberg from the University of Pennsylvania, and he's been scanning the brains of religious people, right? You've read about this for more than a decade. And he says the more you focus on something, now, now this is not a Christian, whether mathematics or car racing or football or God, the more that becomes your reality. And that becomes more and more written into the neural connections in your brain. Psychology Today says this, it's impossible to make our thoughts disappear. Often, the more we try to suppress them, the louder they become. But practicing meditation can help clear away the mind's chatter. Now, do you know what I love when you start to say this? All the Christians get really like, mm -hmm, meditation, he's going to be bringing out crystals and we're all going to go new age you know, and all that stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> remember, remember this, there is only one creator. His name is Elohim, right? Everything else is either a distortion or a version of that which he already created. Keep that in your mind. So I'm not going to go full new age, all right? We're not all going to live in a hippie commune you know, and move to the Copeland Islands and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about here, right? I'm just telling you what the world says, and then I'm going to show you how, how grace is above it all. But practicing meditation can help clear away the mind's chatter. Study shows that meditating, even for as little as 10 minutes, increases the brain's alpha waves, which are associated with re relaxation, and decreases anxiety and depression. Let me keep going on. Harvard Medical School. To explore exactly what part of the brain meditation acts on, researchers at Harvard Medical said, they used MRI technology on participants to monitor brain activity while they meditated. They found that, listen to this, that sections of the brain in charge of the autonom autonomic nervous system, which governs the functions in our bodies that we can't control, digestion, blood pressure, these are the functions that are often compromised by stress. It makes sense then that modulating these functions would help to ward off stress-related conditions such as heart disease, digestive problems, infertility. Studies have shown, among other benefits, meditation can help reverse heart disease, which is the number one killer in the US and pretty much up there in the UK and Europe. It can reduce pain and enhance the body's immune system, enabling it to better fight disease. Man, listen to me. Listen to me. See why we're living distracted all right? And we're being conformed to the pattern of the world, even though we've heard grace. That's the result of it in our lives. And the world says, like, there's this way to do it, all right? Do you know that that, that was what Jesus modeled for us way before the world had a clue about any of this stuff? Let me read you some verses. Psalm 77, 10. Then I thought, to this I will appeal, the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. Read that again. To this I will appeal. To this I will give myself to. The years where the Most High stretched out his right hand. You know what that means for you? 
start to think, start to appear, start to remember, start to give kind of attention to the times in your life when you knew that you were under the hand of God and his authority. Do you get that? When he healed you, when he provided for you, when he kept you safe, when he was working, when he did the miracle, I will appeal to that, all right? And then it says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and I will meditate on all your mighty deeds. Psalm 143.5. There's, there's dozens of them. I'll just give them a couple here. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. Now, the word here for meditation in the Bible, there's a number of different ones, but the predominant word used is a word called hogah or haga. It's written haga, but it's hogah. And what it literally means is to ponder on, to think on, and actually it's about outwardly there's a murmur or a groan associated with it. Do you get that? So here's the thing. The world goes distraction, keep yourself distracted, all this stuff coming in, and then it can't cope with the effects of that in people's lives, so it either pumps them full of drugs or it says, no, you just need to like meditate. On what? Because what biblical, what, what godly meditation is, is to remember the Lord who he is, what he has done, and to ponder it, to talk about it, to murmur it, right? And to almost like chew it over. Do you get that? And what happens? Well, the world will tell you. You don't need to go to the Bible. Your heart heart disease drops, your blood pressure drops, anxiety drops, stress drops. You can do, you know, they see those results when you're not filling your heart and and your mind with the truth of God's grace, how much more can you live in that goodness when you're meditating on the King of Kings and his work for you? Isn't that amazing? That breaks strongholds, folks. But we've we've got a choice. We've got a choice. Isn't that what the Lord says even back in Deuteronomy? Choose today, life or death. Right? Just choose it. Like, will you chew over? Will you think about? Will you even murmur and groan about the goodness of God? And, and how he delivered you, and how he loves you, and what, what his work is like, the fact that even Adam today going, you're righteous, you're loved, you're acceptable. As far as the east is from the west, he's removed all your sin from you. In view of God's mercy, right? Meditate on that. Now, what happens is, actually what we know the physical bit is, you're actually renewing your brain. That's the, isn't that incredible, the science of it? Now, what did Jesus do? Jesus spent many, many, and lots of, I kind of, you know, there's there's a number of reasons why Jesus chose to not be distracted. And and some of them are, not all of them are going to apply to all of you this morning, but I bet you every one of you has one of them where they go, okay, that makes sense to me. Okay? So let me go through them very, very quickly because when you look at Jesus and his, how he models stuff out, this is how we sink into grace by doing the same thing that he did. So in Luke 4, 1 to 2, and 14 to 15, before to prepare himself for a major task, okay? So after he was baptized, he spent 40 days in the wilderness, and then he was tempted, and after that, he begins his public ministry, okay? So there's a thing of getting rid of distraction before you've got something big to do. Do you get that? How many of you just do your work and do your stuff without ever stopping to allow the Lord just to fill you with what you need? Are you going to run into tomorrow morning and a full week, kind of on your nerves, ready to go? And maybe towards lunchtime, you'll feel bad that you haven't done your every other day with Jesus notes. So you'll try to squeeze them in. You know what I mean? What did the Lord do? Before the work came, the, the time with the Lord to dwell on who he is and what he, what he was doing in him. Okay? No distractions. That's a biggie. But you know what's really interesting? The world will even tell you, what, did anyone pick up the stat from what, was it Harvard were saying? Even 10 minutes a day makes a massive difference. 10 minutes. Don't tell me that you can't choose 10 minutes. Right? Of course you can. Oh no, I need to find out what they had for their dinner. Right? <laughs> Mark 6, number 2, Mark 6, 30 to 32. 
after Jesus sends the disciples out to do ministry, when they returned, he actually encourages them to separate from the people, right, who were following them in order just to give them some rest. So the second thing is, if you feel tired and you feel like you're working hard, then you need to recharge. You will not recharge on Facebook. It will suck the life out of you. You'll recharge in the presence of Jesus. Right? And I'll tell you what will happen. You'll sit there and you'll go, right. And your head will go completely crazy. There'll be a hundred thoughts. You'll go, this is not working for me because we have conditioned ourselves to be continually bombarded by noise, distraction, stimulus, all in front of us, right? I think, I think these days it is the number one trick of the enemy. It doesn't need to attack you. Just keep you, your head in a million other things. So you can't connect and receive. But if you're feeling like, if you, do you feel low on energy? Do you feel low either on, on the inside or physically? Well, when Jesus physically needed to recharge, he took time with his father. And he, he just spent that time connecting. He didn't do Facebook. He didn't have Facebook. But whatever it was in the day, he didn't do it. Number three, if you're grieving, Jesus learned after, well, after he learned that John the Baptist had been beheaded, what, look what he does. He goes away by himself. Like, you, you might not have lost anyone, and if you have, you know, you know what the grieving process is like, but it's not about necessarily just about grief in the sense of, of, of major loss but grief in the sense of sadness. Do you know when you feel sad, you have to have it numbed some way or healed some way? So what the, the enemy does, and religion as well, keep you busy and numb the pain. So it only numbs it, it can't heal it. And what happens is when we live with stuff just numbed or pushed down, it eventually keeps coming up like weeds or like those wee whack-a-mole things that I like, you know, and it pops up here and you whack it in the head. And then it pops up here and you're whacking it in the head. If you don't know what whack-a-mole is, you should go to Barry's. Awesome. Bit of fun, right? Get all your frustrations out on the moles. But what happens is when Jesus had grief, when he was sad, right? He didn't allow the pattern to be just numb that with busyness. He took himself into a place with no distraction so that he could receive grace upon grace. Do you get that? No distraction, just you and me. A couple of last ones. In Luke 6, 12, early in his ministry, Jesus spent the whole night alone in prayer. Next day, he chose 12 disciples. Are you going to make an important decision? Do you, have, do you have to make important decisions through your week? People in business? People not in business? <laughs> you know, some of you, the most important decision is what we'll have for my dinner, right? Other people, there's lots of other important decisions coming up in your life or things that you have to balance between. Okay, I honestly think that wisdom, you, we, we, we're here in Corinthians, we've got the mind of Christ, it means that we can have the same wisdom that Jesus operated in, right? When it's given to us as a gift of grace, right? But if all the other voices are more noisy than what you're, than what you're hearing, then you'll never make a good decision. I have found at times just literally even, like one of the good things about walking when it's not done, it's it happened this week, right? It's because that was a big distraction. But the other thing was, like, what I find sometimes when I go out to do that is it just, you know, I don't listen to podcasts. I don't do anything. Like that. I just literally have my own head, right? And I think, oh, I should be using it. It's even like I'm going out to, to walk the dog and to get my head short, so I need to listen to a podcast. And I was like, who says? Shut up. Like, but where does that come from? Like, you've got 45 minutes here. Get the podcast in, Jesus, worship music, da-da-da. And the Lord said, well, just be with me, and, and do you know what? I'll start to talk to you about stuff. You'll start to hear me. When all the other noises just start to dim, dim down a little bit, you'll start to hear my voice more clearly than what you've ever done. Do you know why some of us struggle to hear the voice of God? It's because we've set his voice up in amongst the crowd of every other voices. And grace says, come, alone, come, come and be alone with me, the Lord says. Right? And you'll hear me. You'll have the impression, you'll have the thought, you'll have the clarity of thinking. Right? Oh, I should have just got more out of that time. And the Lord says, what, what more? What more do you want other than spending some time with me walking around and just having me speak to you? So whenever Jesus was going to do something really important, he just made sure he was free from distraction. I think when you don't do that, you tend to make poor decisions. 
because there's lots of other things going on. Last two. Is this okay? Okay. When he was distressed. A bit like sad when he was full of anxiety. Hours before Jesus was arrested in Luke twenty-two thirty-nine, he went to the Mount of Olives and he actually goes a wee bit away from the disciples, if you, if you know the story. And he goes away to pray. And there's a lot of emotional agony in him, a lot of anxiety. And because he, he knows what he's about to face for you and I. And it wasn't just like, yes, brilliant, take me to it. It caused, it caused anxiety in his heart, right? You see the humanity of Jesus in this moment. And so what does he do? Does he face the struggle and the anxiety and the fear on his own? No, he goes to be with his father. And do you know, he loved the disciples. You know, he must have loved them because they were headbangers, most of them. Do you know what I mean? And he spent three years with them. And they would have driven him to... Imagine being like Jesus and having the day... Like, seriously? I bet you, I bet you had some crack with them too. Like, I, don't, I, I reckon it was a bit of a rat being a disciple. Honestly, I think Jesus would have been loads of fun. If your Jesus is quite po-faced and doesn't know how to laugh, then you need to get a new Jesus, honestly. I reckon, honestly, he, he, th- those boys had great crack together and all the rest of it. But you know what was really interesting? He knew when to go, do you know what, fellas? You go over there because I need to be free from distraction. And can I just say to you, when you do that, if somebody does that with you at times and says, you know what, I just need some time, don't take that as being personal to you. Sometimes it's wisdom to go, I just need a wee bit of space so that I can receive grace. And then the best thing I can do for you is to be in the right place with the Lord. Do you get that? So don't, don't judge me if sometimes I just need a bit of space. Anyone? But the wisdom for you at times is to know when to do that yourself. And in doing that, don't feel guilty that these people may be going, judging you negatively. If they do, they do. Get over it, right? There are times that even with the closest ones to us where we just need time to go, Right? And not just I want to get my head charged so I can be distracted with Facebook, but the time, the Lord was intentional with this time to go, now I'm going to receive. And the last thing was to pray. And I'm going to, going to round up with this. Because this is how we overcome these strongholds. You know the thing of Jesus praying? I've already given you the model for this many times, but for those of you who have forgotten it, in Luke 5, 16, and many times in Jesus' ministry, he spent time alone in prayer. And so what did he do? Remember to pray simply means to come and exchange. So the, the reason why the, the enemy will have you distracted is when it, whenever you're distracted, you can't exchange your fear, your anxiety, and your worry. You can't cast it onto the Lord. Why? Because you're not focused on the Lord. Just keep you distracted. And what Jesus does, remember what prayer is. It's not, oh Lord, will you do? It's I come and in those moments, I exchange all of the weight for your grace. That's what prayer means. It's an exchange, right? It's the original word. It's not just about supplication and calling down the heavens and all that. It's not. What Jesus modeled the most for us as new covenant, new grace believers is I come, I give you so that you can give me. You can lay on me, right? Nothing heavy or ill-fitting. Remember it says in Matthew? but you'll show me the unforced rhythms of grace. And in that, do you know what happens in that beautiful moment of exchange? You can go, when I connect like this, I become so aware of you lifting burden off me and reminding me that you're always working for me, that you're in behind the scenes right now. There's things that are going that I feel heavy about, but the Lord, in those moments when the other voices die down, you hear him clearly say, but I'm already working for you. Have hope and have faith that when you walk from this place, you're walking into your victory, right? And faith comes that way. No distractions. So to be transformed, so the pattern of the world, number one, let me just finish up. Has this, this helped this morning? Okay, I've taken it really slowly because I just don't want to, bum, bum, bum. I want you to actually hear and ask yourself that in those moments, what are the things that distract me? And listen, for all I am sitting here spouting at you today, right, quite frankly, I am going to continue every now and again having a wee dig at the Welsh, all right? (laughs) Partly because it's good crack, and there's times we just need to do stuff which is good crack, right? I will, even though Penny nearly did a Highland jig yesterday in celebration of the fact that the Six Nations was over, (laughs) only until I reminded her that it's the World Cup in September, so it was like, whoa, no, all right? (laughs) I said to Penny yesterday morning, we were heading, uh, we're actually going up to see my dad, and uh, thank you for your prayers for him. 
And he, uh, I said to Penny, you know what I'm really excited about today? She said, what for? And I went, the Ireland England game. Like, I feel excited. And she just looked at me like, what is wrong with you? And I went, do you not feel like excited on the inside? Like, like Christmas, like Christmas Eve excitement? <laughs> I know I don't get excited at Christmas, that's right. But you know that, but you know that side, I was really, really, really excited. And she was like, not really. In fact, like, I'm really, she actually gave me a look of disappointment. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm disappointed with you. So I'm, I'm not saying you, you become weird and we become like monks, right? That's not what I'm saying. There's a time to do what you need to do to recharge. But just be aware, right? It's good to have interests. It's good to have hobbies. It's good to go and do that stuff, right? But the key is not the busyness. The key is why you do it. And is it a distraction from you connecting with the Lord? Do you see the difference? Close your eyes and let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you this morning for your goodness and your love in this place. I, I even get the sense just as we've been, as I've been speaking this morning that uh, there's even people who have been here who went, well, you know, I, I don't want to be connecting with Jesus right now because I, I don't even know if I'm worthy enough to connect with him. Like, when it's all stripped away, busyness works for me or distraction works for me because I don't have to face the facts. But the Lord says he, he loves you this morning. He says, come away with me and let me just show you how much I love you. What I've done for you. Let me show you the hope and the future that I have for you. Let me show you my grace upon grace. Let me take all of your worry and all of your anxiety. Let me take all the things that weigh you down and burden you. Let me show you a better way. A way where as you walk with me, I am the older ox, to use that image, carrying that weight. I will never lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, the Lord says. But when... You and I connect in a proper, meaningful way. All I do is reveal my love for you. The length, the breadth, the depth, and the height of my love for you. So be still. Sink into my grace. And know that I am God supreme. feel the Lord speaking to somebody and the word is reassurance the Lord wants to reassure you that it's all going to be okay you don't know whatever the situation is your, your question your fear if you like is how is this going to work out and the Lord reassures you this morning that he's going to work it out all for your good pray in this place this morning, Lord, that we would just even in this moment as your Holy Spirit is ministering to us and reminding us again of your love and your goodness to us. I pray, Father, for that word over us all, that we would go out of here with being reassured this morning that Elohim, God supreme, the King of Kings, says we can trust with every area of our lives and we can sink and relax into grace this morning. Because there's no demand on us. Your expectation, Lord, is that we would receive and bear good fruit. And so, Father, I pray that. 
But I pray for even this morning where people have been provoked, Lord. I just pray grace upon grace into those lives, into those situations, Father. Because, Lord, we want to be in a place where we hear. We want to be in a place where we can receive. Lord, we want to be in a place of confidence. Father, we don't want to live with the same mindsets and the same patterns that have dogged many of us for years. We don't want to be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world. But we want to be transformed from the inside out, where your grace does its work. And just even as Paul said this here, don't be so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it. Instead, fix your attention on God. Father, I thank you that we can see in the ministry of Jesus how he fixed his attention on you as Father and everything flowed. I pray that over you this week, church. Grace upon grace in every situation, in your bodies, in your minds, in your homes, in your families, in your workplaces, everywhere that you step your foot, I pray that you would walk into God's goodness and God's favor. I pray that you'd be surprised by grace this week as the Lord assures you that he has gone before you into everything that you're going to walk into. And there is grace for you, there is favor for you in every moment. And all God's people said, why don't we stand together? We're going to sing. And uh, we're going to... Um, we're going to worship with our last song. What I'd encourage you to do is use it as a... Um, just as a declaration, as a prayer of your life. As we do that, we're going to lift our worship, our, our offering together as we worship. Can I encourage you to be generous? The Lord loves you. And he doesn't want you to be trapped by lack. And your giving matters. It doesn't change God's love for you, but it changes your love for him. It changes how you can trust him, how you can walk in faith and hope. And, you know, in these days, I believe that the Lord is, you know, speaking particularly about the area of money because where there's famine in the land, God says, and these are times of famine, there's hardship there for people. But this is a time where the Lord says, don't take that spirit on yourselves because for this time I've raised you up. You're going to be an example of people being prospered and blessed and full, right? Not because of what we do in our cleverness, but because of the grace of God flowing on us. So give generously. Bring your tithes. Bring your offerings. We believe in that. And we believe that in that act of worship, Jesus, as you receive just the portion that you see the whole, and there is a blessing on it. Amen.